0: Hi everyone, it's Paul Eric. Uh, As I'm recording this, it's Sunday night, and I don't know about you, but typically when I find myself on Sunday night, I'm I'm pretty exhausted, and so, what I tend to do is, is watch movies, so surprise, surprise, right? Uh, and not just not like new movies per se, but like um, old movies that I've seen before in the past, so I don't have to follow the plot, so it requires kind of less uh, brain power, if you will. So the movie I, I saw tonight was um, Liam Neeson's Taken, so like the first in the Taken series, I think it came out in 2008. So I just want to talk about that from a spiritual perspective, so as per usual, major spoiler alert. So just to kind of kick things off, in terms of my own particular viewing of this film um, in the context of today, um, I guess it falls in the category of Um, Movies which strike you differently because you're at a different stage in the spiritual journey, and um, that's the value of of repetition, right? So looking at something over and over again, um, you look at it differently because I guess in a certain sense, you're different, right? So um, I presume that all of you have have seen Taken Before if you're watching this review, but just in case you you haven't, right? So Liam Neeson plays this father with a special set of skills, and the bulk of the movie is him using those skills to basically retrieve his daughter who has been taken, right? So his daughter has been taken. And the whole movie is is him trying to rescue uh, and recover his daughter, right? So I guess in terms of particular themes which uh, struck me this time, which funny enough hadn't really struck me before in the past, um, in no particular order, First of all, the notion of spiritual childhood. So the person or the actress playing um, Liam Neeson's daughter in the movie, her name is Maggie Grace. And so the the character in the film, she's supposed to be 17 years old. And I'm pretty sure that Maggie Grace wasn't 17 years old when she played this particular character in that film. But at the same time, she does a really great job. And one thing which really struck me in this particular viewing of Taken was this notion of of childhood innocence, right? So uh, what comes through the way Maggie Grace plays this character um, the way that um, the character smiles, the way that she uh, laughs, the way that she cries, everything has, has a certain childlike innocence to it. right? And so throughout the whole film, um, you, you have a sense that really um, she is her father's daughter, right? Um, which, is, which is really essential in terms of like, adding to uh, the sense of, of drama and tension throughout the course of the film. And you know, looking at that um, as a priest, as a disciple, as a child of God, um, it really struck me that that's a really important point. We are children of the Lord first and foremost. And sometimes, you know, we take ourselves way too seriously. And yet, here's the Lord who always sees us as his kids. And that's not meant to be a source of humiliation, but in a certain sense, it's meant to be a badge of honor, if you will, right? So we are always, again, our our father's children. You know, the example that comes to mind, St. Teresa Blazia, she talks about this in terms of um, this spiritual analogy, right? So she says basically, like, look, um, I'm just a kid, right? I'm just a kid. and, And more than that, um, I'm, I'm kind of a baby, actually, right? So the idea is not just young, not just um, innocent, but but completely helpless. And so she gives this great analogy where she's like, you know, um, I imagine myself at the bottom of a flight of stairs, where basically the father is at the top of the stairs, and, and he beckons me to ascend to him, um, knowing that I, I really can't do it. And again, because I'm a kid, because I'm but a babe in the woods, I can't ascend even a single step in this flight of stairs. But it doesn't matter because the lord um he can and he will so when the time is right he He scoops me up in his arms and carries me all the way to the top right um and so therefore you know mindful of that i'm not uh, afraid of my poverty but instead i can lean into my poverty knowing that it's a stark reminder that my father is is all-powerful so that's kind of the first thing but i guess the second thing that comes to mind and this is one of the more obvious themes in the film this notion of the father's relentless pursuit of us in the context of salvation right so um you know constantly again throughout the course of the film you see Liam Neeson just pulling out all the stops in terms of his skills his passion his intensity um doing everything he can to rescue his daughter right and it's it's so inspiring because he's doing it out of love right um but more to the point for our purposes to realize that God is always the great protagonist in life and he's always the author of salvation, right? So when we look back on ourselves even being saved, we should have the sense that it is the Father who did it, as opposed to I myself won my own salvation, which means that I didn't really need a savior, right? And again, it's one of those things that might sound kind of obvious, but it's really important that we own this point, right? This notion that we allow ourselves to be saved by the hound of heaven, if you will, right? Um, and so to explain in a slightly different way, a lot of times when we pray into situations and we ask god like what do you want me to do in this situation or in that situation um, a lot of times the answer is it's pretty much nothing right uh, or if, if anything it's, it's doing something very small and very specific right or, or to develop uh, a sense of, of passivity or or receptivity if you will and a lot of times we're frustrated by that because the idea is like, well, aren't I supposed to do more? I, I want more. I desire more, right? Um, but it's a variation of like you know what you find up and down the Bible, right? Both in the Old Testament and the New whenever the people of God are freaking out, God always says to them, either directly or through a mediator, some variation of be still and know that I'm fighting for you. Be still and know that that, that God is fighting for you, right? And implied in that statement, implied in that promise, is this idea that God is the author of salvation, right? And the takeaway message, of course, is that even though we might be called to do very specific things in the context of the work of salvation, we shouldn't presume that therefore nothing is happening, right? Because God is always working. God is always doing things behind the scenes, if you will, to bring about the work of salvation. And so again, even though that work might be invisible in a certain sense, even though that work might be hidden, we shouldn't presume that therefore God isn't doing things. God is always working overtime in a certain sense behind the scenes to bring about the salvation of the world. But you know, that said, I guess the last thing I wanna say is this. My favorite part of the movie is the end of the movie. And that's always been the case, right? So as you might imagine, Liam Neeson, he, he kills basically all the bad guys and he finds himself alone with his daughter, right? And so his daughter is, is dressed at this point in provocative garb because she, she's been sold into sex slavery. And she feels this deep sense of shame. Um, based on how she's dressed, certainly, but also because of, of her relationship with her father, right? And so basically early on in the film, before she's taken, um, she hasn't necessarily been a good daughter. So she's, she's lied to her father. She's been unfaithful in a certain sense uh, to her father. So uh, a big part of her shame in this moment when they're alone is that you know she realizes that I don't deserve my father's love. I don't deserve my father going through all this stuff. Like now he's he's bleeding and he's limping and he's wounded in all sorts of different ways. Uh, I don't deserve any of that stuff because of, of the way that I've treated him, because of the way that I've been, right? And so all that is conveyed when she kind of looks at him with a trembling voice and basically says to him, like, you know, I, you you came for me. Like, I can't believe that you came for me, right? And again, deep a deep sense of shame, a deep sense of like, I'm unworthy of, of your love. But then Liam Neeson, in response, what he says to her is, um, I, I said I would, right? So again, um, you came for me. I can't believe you came for me. In response, he says, I said that I would, right? And and so implied in that is that God's promise to us is independent of us deserving it and is independent of us earning it, right? Um, it's, it's this really important thing in the spiritual life. God's love, His grace is is not something that we merit. It's something which is freely given and freely received, Right? Um, Sister Miriam James Hydland has a really interesting way of putting it when she talks about um, vocation, right? So we can talk about this in terms of one's particular vocation, but also the the broad vocation of uh, the call to holiness, the call to wholeness, the call to belong entirely to Christ, right? But anyways, Sister Miriam James Hyland, she makes this point where she says that um, your vocation is not a reward for good behavior vocation is not a reward for good behavior. So when it comes to God's promises, for example, um, they endure regardless of how faithful we have been to him. God is the one who always keeps his promises, right? So that's very important for us to remember. And you see that, for example, in the life of St. Peter, how he has to learn that particular example, right? Uh, or that particular principle. So, you know, you think about St. Peter at the Last Supper, right? So, um, you know, even if all these people deny you, Lord, I will never deny you, right? So he's thinking like, yeah, I'm I'm the one who was deserving of the mantle of leadership, I'm the one who's deserving of God's love and His grace and stuff. Uh, But then at the end, of course, in the aftermath of the resurrection, in the aftermath, more to the point of his threefold denial of Christ, he's thinking, well, gosh, I am completely unworthy and he's uncomfortable being in that space. But it's an important thing for him to realize that, you know, again, God's love is never earned, God's grace is never deserved, right? It's freely given and freely received, right? And more to the point, you've got to realize that the call which is made to him by the Lord in terms of the vocation to holiness, the call to belong entirely to him, the call to be Pope, right? This is not something based on merit. Again, your vocation is not a reward for good behavior. It is freely given and freely received. And the moment that St. Peter internalizes that in his heart, then he's able to go forth and love others as Christ has loved him and forgive others as Christ has forgiven him. Anyways, that's kind of a lot of stuff, but I wanted to share those points with you while they were still kind of fresh in my mind. So um, if you'd like, you know, kind of take these things to prayer, these particular points, these particular principles, and share them perhaps in discussion with your family and friends. All right, God bless you all.